Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are looking for vendor process training for you or your entire vendor team, head over to my site at DeborahRRichardson.com and click on the Vendor Team Training Solved button to learn more about what is included in the monthly or annual plan and also to download a 2021 training schedule. Get the training that you and your team needs to avoid payment fraud, duplicate vendors, compliance fines, and more. If you think you recognize your vendor's email address and everything is okay, in this episode, I will talk about why that may not be the case and a new tool that I discovered that you can use to verify if you are suspicious. Keep listening. Welcome to episode 148, why you still need to authenticate vendors even when their email address is legitimate. Update it for 2021. In terms of payment fraud, phishing attacks involve fraudsters sending emails with the goal of obtaining credentials to gain access to you or your vendor's email account, while business email compromise or BEC attacks evolve the use of social engineering tactics to get accounts payable to make a fraudulent wire transfer or change vendor banking details to a fraudulent account. I do have quite a few uh, podcast episodes about uh, business email compromise or BEC, um, but now I want to expand on what happens when that phishing attack results in the fraudster gaining access to your vendor's email. And so let's talk about uh, email account takeover. So third-party phishes are, or phishing, um, that's when a cyber criminal gains access to your vendor's legitimate email and then uses, uh, uses that access to communicate with you to take action. This is called email account takeover. And according to Experian, email account takeover is defined as uh, email account Takeover occurs when a froster gains access to a legitimate user's email account through data breaches that expose credentials or purchasing them from the dark web or phishing scams. Email account takeover can be even more complicated and harmful when it, when it is executed in pursuit of a cross account takeover. Now, While the goal of the email account takeover can be phishing attempts to obtain your login credentials, Experian goes further to say that the ultimate goal can be a cross-account takeover, and that is where the cyber criminal will change the password of an email or mobile account, 
with the vendor's financial institution to steal funds in the account. But for accounts payable, this can play out as an email request to change vendor bank details or even remittance address for check payment methods, which we don't talk about a lot, but it happens. But in any event, they get you to change uh, remit details to divert payment. And because the carefully studied emails matches the vendor email, it appears um, legitimate. And there have also been reported incidents where the email account takeover is an internal team member um, from the buyer's company. So someone, an internal team member from your company could have been victim of an email account takeover. And so that email that you're getting that maybe does not even now have that external um, email indicator on there, that could be a fraudulent email. Now, with the average business email compromise or BEC loss increasing from 54,000 per incident in Q1 2020 to 91,000 per incident in Q4 2020, um, and other social engineering fraud increasing during um, or due to continued remote work requirements, even though you think that email you receive from your vendor um, is valid, um, based on the email domain, you still need to authenticate. And actually, I have three things that you can do. Uh, so authentication is one, notification is two, and then I have a separate tool that you can use that may be able to help you validate or verify that vendor's uh, email domain or your own internal team member's email domain. And so let's talk about authentication first. And so adding authentication, you wanna apply authentication techniques before discussing any issue when getting requests from email or from telephone. And you experiences, uh, if you ever try to call your bank, right, they're not going to just talk to you about whatever you called in to talk about. They are going to ask you identifying questions first. And then only when you uh, answer those questions uh, successfully will they discuss whatever you called in about. Now, I do have more uh, uh details on how to um, develop those authentication uh, techniques. And, and it's um, uh, also talk about how to create a matrix so that you and your vendor team or accounts payable help desk will have some um, uh, different questions that they can ask so they don't have to ask the same ones all the time. It can be kind of random. Um, I will put a link to uh, both a blog post and I believe it's episode 145 where I talk about is your accounts payable team still taking live phone calls from vendors updated for 2021. In there it has uh um, details for how to do authentication. And then I have uh, some, a uh, couple of web webinars that I have recorded on my YouTube channel that will go into detail about authentication uh, as well. And so um, I'll put a link to my YouTube channel and you can check out those webinars. And it's really great if you listen to them on, on uh, or watch them on YouTube because I have timestamps and you can just uh, jump to wherever you want to go uh, in that recording. You don't have to listen to the whole thing. I'd like you to listen to the whole thing, but if you just want to see, you know, a couple of things that you need to do, you can skip around and do that. 
Now, you do want to authenticate the data prior to making changes in your vendor master file. Um, and let's say uh, you're collecting um, the vendor's uh, bank information on bank letterhead or vendor letterhead that can really be forged. So you do want to have your own company branded uh, ACH form where you can add authentication in the data. So an example would be to require existing information such as the existing bank account number or maybe the last three deposit dates and amounts or other elements that only the real vendor would um, would know. Now you can include that criteria on an existing form that you already require to collect like a vendor setup and setup form or you can create what I um, recommend is a whole separate company branded ACH form or vendor banking form or whatever you like to call it. Um, I do recommend that you do that and then you customize it with specific information that uh, really authenticates uh, the vendor. Now I talk about webinars. I do have one that talks about um, protecting vendor bank details when you receive changes via email, really beyond the phone call, which as most of you know now, that phone call, um, the vendor doesn't pick up the first time. It's just a very labor intensive, um, patient requiring process. Um, but I do have a, um, a process that I recommend to either, um, eliminate that phone call altogether or just add in that authentication or authenticating data in that vendor change process. So that was one, adding authentication. And then the second thing is to send a notification to the vendors. And if you've listened to any of my podcast episodes, most of them where I talk about making changes to vendors information, I always talk about send a notification to the vendor. And this is where you send a notification to the existing email address on file on the vendor record. Um, even though the criminal may still have access to that compromised email account um, in an email account takeover situation, um, the vendor may still see this email and notify you if they did not initiate the change. And I do have a blog post on how to do that. Um, it's called send a notification after updates in the vendor master file. And I did recently do an update for 2021. And I also did. Um, that's also one of my uh, uh, podcast episodes. And I think it's a very early one, like nine or 10. I probably should have grabbed it for this one. But if you go on wherever, whatever platform you're using to listen to this podcast and just search for send a notification, you'll come up uh, to that podcast uh, episode and then can uh, listen to that one as well. I'll link to the blog post though. And the blog post will have a um also includes the podcast episode if you want to listen on my site. All right. So that was send a notification to the vendors. And then the third one I want to talk about was I did find a tool that you can use to check your vendor's email domain and it's called 
whois.com. So whois.com. And I don't think that this is the original intention of this lookup um, database, but it can certainly uh, do the job for when you're suspicious about an email address. And you definitely have reason to be suspicious because if, uh, uh, let's say this is not email account takeover and let's say um, it is a regular uh, spoofed email um, where the frosters are using, for example, a lowercase or a capital I in place of a lowercase L, or maybe they're using a W double V, a double V, so two V's instead of the W, right? So you're not going to necessarily catch that when you're looking at that email, um, the email domain. So the key here though, is when you go there, you need to copy and paste the email domain. Don't just type it in because you're going to type in L or you're going to type in um, that W uh, instead of what they really put. Um, and then you're, um, you're, when you get the results, you're going to check the registration date. So if you receive an email, for example, um, what looks like Apple, and you're a little suspicious because of, you know, the contents, um, the subject line or anything else in the email, and you want to have an extra check, um, go ahead and throw copy and paste Apple um, into whois.com, that field, and you can tell, right, with the results, whether or not um, uh, that's, you think that's a valid, uh, valid email domain. And the way that you tell is based on the, uh, the date registered. So the results are going to show you, um, actually a lot of information, but I really pay attention to the site, the, um, the date the site was registered and just make sure it's in line with expectations. So if I use the example of apple.com and, uh, Apple has an L in it. And so that could be if there it's a spoofed email address, it could be a capital I instead of a lowercase L. And so when I put that in, um, the results show that it was registered in 1987, which is in line with expectations. But if it was a recent date, because it's a spoofed email, then that would be an additional red flag for you. So if you're already suspicious, throw it in whois.com and see if um, the uh, register registration date or the registered date is in line with your expectations. So that's another tool. And on um, within the blog post uh, that accompanies this uh, this podcast episode that I will have linked in the description. I do have visuals for um, the lookup that I did on whois.com for apple.com. And then I show uh, what the results are. So go ahead and uh, uh, click the link to the blog post in the description or in the show notes of this episode. And then you can follow through to the um, blog post site and then take a look at those visuals. All right. So now you have three ways to combat those phishing emails or emails that you consider uh, suspicious. Thanks, everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 148th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. 
Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.